Wire to Wire is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. We are comfortably into December, and that means the holidays are here, and who doesn't love getting tickets as a gift? It really doesn't even matter what kind of tickets, sports tickets, basketball, hockey, Maybe an NFL playoff game. Maybe a college football bowl game. How about a college basketball game? How about concert tickets? How about theater tickets to that great show in town? You can find all of that on GameTime. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. into Wire to Wire for week 15 of the NFL and fantasy football seasons. If you are listening, congratulations. We assume that means you have moved on to the semifinals of your playoffs for most leagues. Maybe you have a league that starts playoffs this week, week 15. So congratulations in order for you as well, meaning you're alive. Whoever is listening to this, no matter if you started playoffs last week, this week, whatever it might be, is almost certainly 99.999% in their league's playoffs, so congratulations to you. We're happy that you're here with us, spending the next 30, 40 minutes or so looking at the waiver wire going into week 15. I am Michael Beller, joined as I am on Wire to Wire every single week by Brandon Funston. Uh, Funston, how are you looking in your playoffs? Not bad. So I had eight teams. I'm uh, I'm still alive in four of them, and I am still alive in the one that I care about the absolute most. So that's really what it what it comes down to. Um, so yeah, still got some. You know, it'd be nice to have all your all your teams in the playoffs, but you want to just have uh, you know at least a couple that you can just get absolutely behind and get excited about the playoffs for. And so I, I'm in I'm in good shape in that regard. Nice, nice. Uh, me too. How about, how about yourself? Yeah, I've got two leagues that I care about significantly more than the rest. One of them I have already advanced to the semifinals. The other one I've got one hell of a battle on my hands for Monday Night Football. Of course, one more game left in Week 14, Eagles and Giants. I am uh, down by 13, a little bit less than 13, I think, maybe a little bit more, right in that 13 range. Uh, and uh, I've got Carson Wentz and Miles Sanders he has uh, Elshon Jeffrey and Jake Elliott. So uh, it's, uh, the the app uh, the, we we play this league on Yahoo, and the app gives us both a fifty fifty exact equal share of winning this one. So it's going to be fun. I'm going to be tuned in and uh, to Carl Coomley. <laughs> how, if you're listening, Carl how, how's Coomley, your nerves? Down. I feel good. I feel like I would. I'll say this: I am definitely in the more fun spot, right? Like yeah. I would much rather be cheering for Wentz and Sanders than Jeffrey and the kicker. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, your your guy has the ball in his hands, you yeah. know, every time Philadelphia has the ball. So yeah, right. uh, that that's good. So are you saying that if you had your choice, you would choose your side? I, I think I would. I, I think I would choose it just, re, you know, generally. I think I'd rather be in my shoes. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll take the app's word that this is a 50-50. It's a toss-up. It feels like a toss-up to me. So, you know, all things being equal, I would rather be on the fun side of the equation. Right. And, and it feels like I am. So, uh going to be a fun one certainly for me monday night football uh hopefully you guys uh have already you don't need anything that i need but if you do hopefully you're on the fun side of your equation as well uh you can follow brandon on twitter at brandon funston you can follow me on twitter 
at M. Beller. The football season is wrapping up, but you can still go to theathletic.com slash wire to wire and get yourself 40% off an annual subscription to The Athletic. And with the football season wrapping up, maybe you're looking uh, to your next fantasy sport or just your next sport in general. Brandon, you and I both are part of some basketball shows at The Athletic. You do a fantasy basketball show, uh, Dunks and Dimes, with Eric Wong. How's that going? It's going well. And Eric, you know, we're what almost we get like a month and a half into the year. And so, you know, Eric started reassessing his preseason fantasy rankings. And so he started with a, you know, a re resetting of the center position to start with. So uh, this past week we talked his top 25 centers as things currently stand and going forward, he's going to continue to update each of the positions. So we got forwards next. So uh, if you're into where guys fantasy values are uh, as they pertain to in season for fantasy basketball, uh, you won't want to miss that podcast. Yeah, very nice. That's uh, every Friday at The Athletic, and you can get that in the uh, free universe as well, correct, Brandon? That's correct. Yeah, Dunks and Dimes, uh, Brandon Funston, Eric Wong, a really good show. We just uh, launched our first national college basketball show. That's the one that I am part of. I produce uh, what's called Miles Moore Madness uh, with former Nebraska coach Tim Miles and our own C.J. Moore. Uh, we debuted last week. We come at you twice a week, every week, every show is free. Uh, so please check us out there. Uh, and uh, yeah, Tim Miles uh, bringing his expertise uh, from being a head coach in the Big Ten for the last decade or whatever it was. Uh, and CJ Moore, one of our uh, part of our great stable of college basketball writers uh, at The Athletic. These guys are going to uh, look at college basketball from every conceivable angle twice a week, every week. We'll have a new show uh, this Tuesday and this still figuring out if it's going to be Thursday or Friday, but we'll definitely have a new one for you tomorrow. So please check out miles more madness you rate review subscribe all of these shows really does help us out so we would appreciate that and now we are going to help you out with our top waiver plays for week 15 uh, even though we're at this stage of the season funston still finding some value there was a lot of injuries in week 14 unfortunately so people who moved on uh, even though they're one of the last four teams in their league might be in need of some reinforcements. The first guy we're going to go to had the door opened from a previous injury, looked very good in week 14. To me, Funston, the number one play on the waiver wire this week is DeAndre Washington. Yeah, with Josh Jacobs dealing with the shoulder injury and Oakland, really, I mean, they're sitting ninth in the in the AFC in terms of playoff standing. They're a full two games behind Tennessee and Pittsburgh for that last wild card spot. Just doesn't seem realistic. Tennessee's been playing great. Pittsburgh's actually been playing pretty well too. It doesn't seem realistic that they're going to be able to make the playoffs. And at this point, why would you even put Josh Jacobs out there if he has uh, you know the broken shoulder that they're talking about that he's dealing with a fracture uh, in his shoulder? So Washington seems like a safe play this week and. Man, if you look at who he's playing, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars have been absolutely feasted upon by opposing running backs. I was just looking at the numbers. In their last five games, they've given up five 100-yard rushing games, <laughs> and they've given up one 100-yard receiving game. So that was Austin Eckler this week. He had the 100 rushing and 100 receiving against them. They've given up 10 running back touchdowns in their last five games as well. So Jacksonville's been abysmal. Uh, against running backs of late and this seems like a great opportunity for deandre washington to, to at least repeat the numbers that he put up but i think you know the ceiling maybe gets jacked up even a little bit more based on the matchup yeah that's what you got to love about washington right we figure he should be in a good spot really no reason for the raiders to push josh jacobs at all the rest of the season we know the matchup this week is going to be great against jacksonville week 16 i would say a neutral matchup against the yeah. chargers in la and then on top of all that the guy did his job 
uh, for the Raiders in week 14. 14 carries for 53 yards and a touchdown. Caught six of seven targets for 43 yards. He is going to be a do-everything back for Oakland the rest of the season. And that's why I think even though the Raiders haven't officially said anything about Josh Jacobs, it's a realistic expectation that they're not going to push him. As you said, they are realistically not going to be making the playoffs. Uh, They have to feel pretty good about where they stand going into 2020, though, with the surprisingly competitive season that they put together. No reason to chance Josh Jacobs' 2020 health on a lost 2019 season. So DeAndre Washington, easily the number one waiver guy to go after if he is available in your league. Number two, also a guy who got the door opened for injury. Man, Darius Geis, you got to feel for him. Just another knee injury in his young NFL career. He had really started to show why he could be a special player for Washington over the last couple of weeks, but he goes down with another knee injury in week 14, and that opens the door for Adrian Peterson. Got 20 carries for Washington against Green Bay in week 14. Turned that into 76 yards and a touchdown, and this guy, too, uh, has what looks like at least a decent schedule coming up. NFC East matchups with Philadelphia and the Giants. Philadelphia's been a tough run defense, uh, but these could at least be games that Washington is in, Adrian Peterson not game scripted out. So got to still think he should be someone you would be going after almost across the board in fantasy leagues. Yeah, I mean, he's been the constant this year. You know, Darius Geis, we've been riding the roller coaster with him and his injuries. And I think at this point, you know, for Washington, they're going to have to go out and probably get a get a running back. I mean, I don't think they're going to go back to Adrian Peterson next year. But, uh, you know, this is, this is the guy who's probably going to clean it up for them this season. And you look at Peterson like – uh, you know, week nine at Buffalo, 18 carries, 108 yards. Uh, the week before that, 14 carries for 76 yards at Minnesota, 81 yards against San Francisco. I mean, he's put up numbers against some tough defenses. So you worry about the Philadelphia defense a bit, but you feel pretty safe, like you said, if they're not uh, game scripted out of this game against Philly coming up, you know, pretty, pretty something close to 20 carries, uh, you know, and can he get you 75 plus yards on the ground and maybe, you know, 15 through the air and, and give you a decent game. I think that's absolutely within the realm of possibility, but we follow workload, even in tough matchups uh, as a flex consideration this week. Uh, I think he is a guy that's, you know, figures fairly prominently. Yeah, he's he's going to be there. And I'm sure that you, me and Jake Seeley will talk about him on uh, our edition of the ranking show this Wednesday, but uh, it's just because of the volume alone, it's going to be hard to push Peterson outside the top 25, 27-ish running backs. And even that, you know, obviously I haven't looked at anything for for week 15 just yet, but even that might be a little low. So uh, with the workload expectations where they are for Adrian Peterson, he is just as comfortable the number two waiver target for me as DeAndre Washington is atop the heap on the waiver wire for week 15. The last guy who we're going to talk about is another running back, and it is Patrick Laird. Got 15 carries and five targets in Miami's loss to the Jets. Uh, Turned that into 86 yards from scrimmage. And and Funston, it looks like this workload, just like we're talking about with Peterson, pretty secure. Not exactly sure what Laird's ceiling is going to be from week to week, but if he is getting those 12 to 15 carries and four to seven targets, you got to feel pretty good about going after him on the wire. Nice matchups, too, at the Giants and then versus the Bengals in weeks 15 and 16. Yeah, I mean, this is Miami just can't run the ball. So, you, you know, right. you look at him as kind of like the, the carries are there, but this is a this is a team in general, and Kalen Balaj has a lot to do with it, obviously, but uh, they're averaging less than three yards a carry as a running back position. So, 
uh, and Laird's not putting up big rushing numbers, but he is very uh, capable in the passing game, and that's going to be always something that figures into things. So, like a regular four to five catches and forty to fifty yards through the air, something that you almost feel like uh, is a pretty safe expectation. And anything on the ground is gravy. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's deeper leagues where a guy that's getting these kind of touches again, um, you know, volume volume matters big time here, and it just takes one, you know, one. The more opportunities you get, the more opportunities you have to, uh, you know, have success in fantasy. So, you know, I'm not super excited about him just because there's no rushing upside, but uh, you know, he's he's got enough utility to be on a roster for sure. Yeah, this is a guy who, you know, I, I think you're only going at this stage of the season. If this were week five, you'd be going after him no matter what. At this stage of the season, you're only going after him if you really are in a tough spot because, you know, depth doesn't really mean a whole lot to us with just two fantasy games left. But with the uh, volume expectation, especially with the role he has in Miami's passing game, and this being an offense that's going to lean on the pass more often than not, uh, got to think Laird is someone who desperate owners or even semi-desperate owners can be going after and starting in week 15. Again, a nice matchup with the Dolphins heading to New York to take on the Giants in the fantasy football semifinals. So those are our top three guys, DeAndre Washington, Adrian Peterson, Patrick Laird. We've got one more running back to discuss before we turn our attention to the wide receiver position. Uh, if we knew Le'Veon Bell were going to be out this Thursday, I think Bilal Powell might be a little bit higher in our rankings, maybe uh, even with Laird or even a little bit ahead of Laird. He got 19 carries, turned him into 74 yards, three targets, just two catches for 14 yards in the Jets' win over the Dolphins. Uh, t- uh, Thursday night football for the Jets this week. That could be too quick a turnaround for Le'Veon Bell, but we're talking about an illness, not an injury, and a really tough matchup on Thursday at Baltimore. So those things conspire to push Powell below Washington Peterson and Laird for me. Are you on the same page, Funston? Yeah, and I feel like if you're in a competitive league and you had Le'Veon Bell, you've already made the move to Bilal Powell. And I, I was talking to a buddy of mine who in in one of my leagues, and he had Le'Veon Bell, and he picked up Bilal Powell, and he was almost like, he was like, you know, oddly, I feel kind of better about Powell than I do about Le'Veon Bell being in there. So like, um, and and sure enough, he kind of had like a slightly better version of what we've been seeing from Le'Veon Bell, you know, with his 88 yards for scrimmage and, um. And, but I just don't think that Le'Veon Bell's sitting this this week um, with the with the illness. So I expect he'll be back. It sounds like you know from the reports that we've been reading that that's probably going to be the case. So uh, a nice one game, you know, one game uh, out of Blau Powell. And if you're a Bell owner and you you put him in there, you're probably not feeling too too bad about what he did there. But uh, I think he's probably going to go back to, to fading into the woodwork again. Hey, I mean, that, that 74-yard performance out of Bilal Powell is the Jets' single-game single high for this season. <laughs> and we haven't had – Le'Veon Bell hasn't had a 70-yard rushing game all year, which is remarkable. Uh, but uh, So, yeah, if you, if you, if you uh, were a Bell guy who then turned to Bilal Powell and got him in the lineup, probably feeling pretty good. I uh, certainly couldn't be feeling any worse than what you've been getting out of Le'Veon Bell this season. But, yes, we are on the same page here. It does feel like a game where Bell gets back on the field this week. And, again, even if it's Powell, you can't be too confident with the Jets heading to Baltimore this week. That is a defense that, since week nine, uh, has just been firing on all cylinders. So it could be a tough matchup for this entire Jets team on Thursday night. We've got a decent amount of wide receivers to talk about, Funston. A lot of these guys we've already hit on quite a bit this season. You probably don't need us to uh, go too in-depth on Cole Beasley or Anthony Miller any more uh, than we've already done this season. We will get to those guys in a second. There are, however, a couple of situations I do want to discuss in some depth. The first is in Tampa. Mike Evans 
hamstring injury. Bruce Arians already saying almost for sure not going to play, which is a huge blow because not only is he Mike Evans, one of the very best receivers in the league, but Tampa Bay gets Detroit this week. I mean, Mike Evans owners had to have been salivating thinking about that matchup. A player like that going up against a secondary like Detroit was going to be a ripe situation for him. He will almost certainly miss this week. Maybe, maybe. Sounds like Tampa's holding out hope that he gets back in week 16. But for the time being, it appears that both Brashad Perriman and Justin Watson could have larger roles for Tampa Bay in what remains an excellent matchup against Detroit. Perriman uh, had three catches for 70 yards and a touchdown in the win over Indy last week uh, in his last two games, eight catches for 157 yards and that score he had against the Colts. Watson also showed up for the Buccaneers against Indianapolis, five catches on eight targets for 59 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Do you prefer one over the other or are you just happy to get either one of these guys? You know, I think I'm probably preferring, well, it just kind of depends on what kind of a matchup you're in. If you're in a situation where you need Rashad Perryman and you feel like you're the underdog, I think he has the higher upside. He, I mean, he's a more of like the deeper target guy. You look at, he's caught 19 of 43 targets. So in the 40% range in, in terms of catch percentage is terrible. Uh, but he's also the bigger big play guy. And so you might have a higher ceiling with him. I think Justin Watson is a safer guy. And I have kind of a feeling that we're going to see the continuation of like a OJ Howard, Cameron Brait, uh, you know, being guys that sort of fill, fill this uh, void left by Evans as well. So I don't think we're going to see one individual really kind of take over in, in Mike Evans's absence. I think this might have to be a, you know, it takes a village kind of situation, but I, I'd play it. You know, Watson's the safer option. Perryman's the big play option. And that's kind of how I'd couch it. And if if one was a better fit for me this week, then I would go that direction. I think that's a perfect way to say it. And I will be doing exactly that. That league I referenced off the top where I need uh, Wentz and Miles Sanders to carry me through to next round. That team has Mike Evans, doesn't have a ton of wide receiver reinforcement on uh, the bench. So I am going to be putting a claim in for Prashad Perriman first, because if I do advance, I'm going to be going up against the one seed in that league. Definitely a team that is better than mine. I'm going to need some ceiling performances. So that's why I will be going after Prashad Perriman. That's just a real world uh, explanation, a real world example of what you just said, Funston. I think if you need ceiling, Perriman is your guy. If you need more floor, Watson is probably the safer bet. And like you said, we saw it last week, five catches on eight targets, 59 yards he got in the end zone. Uh, it's like, a, you know, sort of a, a lower class version of Cole Beasley. Doesn't quite have the ceiling, probably the floor not nearly as safe because of the track record that Beasley brings uh, every single time he steps on the field. But uh, I think that's that, that's the right way to look at this. Perriman for ceiling, Watson for floor. Both guys get a nice matchup. And Chris Godwin, man, it is going to be all you can eat for Chris Godwin yeah. in a great, <laughs> great matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Boomer Bust receiver, another guy who I want to talk about here. We've talked about him a bit this season, Funston. Uh, one of the biggest boom or bust guys all year, A.J. Brown. He boomed in a huge way in week 14. We talked about this on Wire to Wire last week, knowing that he was going to be having himself quite the nice matchup against Oakland, and he came through with flying colors. Five catches, 153 yards, two touchdowns in the Titans' win over the Raiders. This team is rolling, this offense is rolling, but a couple of tough assignments now the next two weeks. Uh, Both games are at home, so that's nice. A huge game in the AFC South between Tennessee and Houston in Week 15. And then next week, Week 16, the Titans welcome the Saints 
to Tennessee. Where do you put AJ Brown in this? Uh, if he's available, if all three of these guys we've talked about, Brown, Perriman, Watson, are available in your league, are you going after Brown first? Yeah, I think I am. Uh, and I just, you know, Houston's kind of a mixed bag. They've had some pretty weak receivers that they faced of late, but they've also been playing better in the passing game. You can't deny that. But I just look at AJ Brown. Like Corey Davis is hardly getting used. I mean. Tajay Sharp, there's just not like there's not a deep receiving core of guys that are, you know, on the on the on the list of guys that Tannehill's using. And then you look at Delaney Walker's been out and they're not really throwing to Deion Lewis. I mean, I just think the opportunity is there for AJ Brown to really step up. And we saw him get seven targets. And that's kind of been the, you know, the issue with him is, oh, it's just three or four targets. Can we really trust that kind of usage? But we are seeing that start to uptick and it just makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, this is the most talented guy there in that passing game. Ryan Tannehill's rolling and he's, you know, we're at the point in the season where he's no longer really a rookie. He's, you know, he's basically put on a year under his belt and it's really kind of his time to shine and we're seeing it happen, but there's also just a huge opportunity there in Tennessee based on what's around him. Yeah. Um, you know, the boomer bust potential has always been there for AJ Brown this season, but you go back to what he did in Mississippi. I, I mean, he was a force on not a great team in the sec regularly going up against, you know, five-star player after five-star player after five-star player defenses stacked with four and five-star players playing on not necessarily the best team. And he was putting up numbers, uh, you know, DK Metcalf there with him and he was still dominating target share on that team. So we shouldn't be surprised to see A.J. Brown now in his 14th NFL game starting to develop and become a big-time go-to receiver. I, I agree with you. Even with what we expect to be tougher matchups, right, he's not going to get to face that Oakland team again, but uh, he would be my number one preferred guy to go after. Uh, using my real-world example, yet again, he's not available in that league where I will be going after Perriman, where I'm going to be without Mike Evans should I make it to week 15. So that's part of the reason why I go after Perriman too. But I think A.J. Brown, uh, if we just assume uh, an average league, a typical league in a vacuum, uh, he would be the first guy out of anyone available on most waiver wires uh, that I would be going after this week. you got to love what you've seen from Ryan Tannehill and this entire Tennessee offense. Uh, remarkable performance from these guys getting back into a situation where if they win this week, they have the inside track to win the AFC South, and who would have thought that would be possible you know, five, six weeks ago? So A.J. Brown, our top wide receiver, who we would go after just ahead of Brashad Perriman and Justin Watson, and maybe some of these other guys who we're going to talk about too. Uh, Funston, like I said, we don't need to go in-depth on Cole Beasley, Anthony Miller. Everyone knows about them. We know what sort of uh, roles they have in their offenses. We know what they bring to the table, uh, so we don't really need to dive in on what their unique traits, their qualities might be for a fantasy owner. I'm just going to throw a list of guys at you who are you know, intriguing for one reason or another, and you tell me which one or two you would like the best for Week 15. First one is Zach Pascal. Uh, Colts are at the Saints this week. Pascal uh, got another touchdown in Week 14, five catches for 74 yards. Uh, Devontae Parker left Miami's uh, loss to the Jets with a concussion. That opens the door for both Alan Hearns and Isaiah Ford to potentially have larger roles for Miami against the Giants this week. Both those guys showed up last week, and it was Isaiah Ford who led the team across the board, actually. Six catches, nine targets, and 92 yards. Cole Beasley, three straight games now with a touchdown. Really tough matchups the rest of the way at Pittsburgh, at New England. Tough assignments for this Buffalo offense in weeks 15 and 16. Anthony Miller has been a huge part of the Bears offense over the last four weeks. He has 37 targets, scored a touchdown in week 14. He's got a 100-yard game under his belt. 
Could see Taylor Gabriel return from his concussion this week, and the Bears are at Green Bay versus Kansas City for the remainder of the fantasy season. Kendrick Bourne has some touchdown upside, five touchdowns in his last six games. The yardage upside really isn't there. Uh, The 49ers, a nice matchup with Atlanta in Week 15. Uh, Marcus Johnson saw him get going uh, for 105 yards and a touchdown. Last two weeks, he's got seven grabs for 160 yards and the touchdown that he had in Week 14 at the Saints and versus the Panthers to end the season there. And then finally, Russell Gage, someone who we throw out. For me, he would actually probably be the guy I like the least because you saw Atlanta put up 40 points. Julio Jones didn't do a ton, and he did absolutely nothing in that game. I just don't trust either the floor, and I don't think there's really much of a ceiling for Russell Gage. So out of all those guys, Funston, uh, is there one or two who, if you can't get A.J. Brown, you would be going after this week? Yeah, I think it's I think it's Zach Pascal. I mean, you look at the last mm-hmm. two weeks, he's had 19 targets. T.Y. Hilton doesn't look like he's likely to be back. And you say, well, it's the Saints. That could be a problem, especially if he's the number, number one. But you look at number ones of late against New Orleans, they've come out of this matchup just fine. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo went crazy this past week. But, uh, you know, number one, opposing teams number one has has done well the last few weeks against new orleans so i think if again we talk about following the opportunity and the volume zach pascal's getting it um and i'm not completely dissuaded by this matchup against the saints Uh, at least you think there's going to be some game script where they're gonna have to throw the ball looking at the way the saints offense played last last week as well i think if i had to give you another one i think it'd be alan hearns uh he's a guy that if if Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson are out. Um, you know, he can play inside. He can play outside. He's a veteran. And I, Isaiah Ford, I just don't, don't love him as a talent. Uh, skinny guy, not very fast. I think he ran like a 4.640 at his combine a couple years ago. So, like, Alan Hearns, I can see Ryan Fitzpatrick in, in a good matchup against the Giants, leaning on him for, you know, maybe double-digit touches. I think he would have a pretty safe floor overall, and you might get a touchdown and, you know, something like 80 yards out of it possibly. So uh, I'd probably chase him second, uh, but definitely Zach Pascal first. Yeah, we are in total agreement on Zach Pascal being the first. I think he's a pretty easy number one. He, to me, uh, the only reason we didn't talk about him uh, earlier is because there's nothing really new with this situation, right? Something new in Tampa. A.J. Brown seems to be breaking out before our eyes. Zach Pascal, it's the same thing we've talked about week after week after week, but I agree with you. He is more in that group than he is all the rest of the guys who I just rattle off on that list. So me, uh, a total agreement here. He is easily the number one guy among these other wide receivers. I'm with you on Hearns. I think he would be one of my next three. Uh, and Anthony Miller would be the other one who I would talk about mm-hmm. just because of what we said. 37 targets in the last four weeks. He's clearly becoming a more integral part of Chicago's offense than he was earlier in the season. Green Bay, not a great matchup, not a bad matchup, sort of a whatever situation. So uh, he would be the one who I would go after next. And Cole Beasley, someone who uh, people are probably going to be tempted to go after. Man, I want to believe. And if he were in almost any other situation, he would be maybe my favorite. But at Pittsburgh, at New England, I mean, even if you sort like, how are you? You're not going to be confident in him in any of those, in, right? I mean, you can't feel good about Cole Beasley in either of those matchups. So why even add him? No. Yeah, exactly. And it was, he's getting into the end zone. It's just weird. You don't taste, you don't chase touchdowns. Not from guys like, not from slot receivers. that are little guys like Cole Beasley, where it doesn't really make sense that they keep scoring this often. And he's doing it a lot of times on what we saw this last week, where it's like 24 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Like in the tough matchups at Pittsburgh and at New England, you just can't, you can't chase those touchdowns. That's not what we chase. You know, that's, that's just, that's a recipe for disaster. Agree entirely. So Cole Beasley, he's been 
uh, an excellent fantasy performer this season, but his utility for the year might be at an end. So just to recap, A.J. Brown, Brashad Perriman, those are good ceiling guys, and A.J. Brown, our favorite, Zach Pascal, Alan Hearns, and Anthony Miller, all guys who could factor into the fantasy mix for Week 15. Let's turn our attention now, Funston, to the tight end position. Really just two guys I want to talk about at this position. The first is Tyler Higby, his second straight 100-yard game. I'm sorry that it came at the expense of the Seahawks and a huge win for the Rams on Sunday night football. Higby had seven grabs and 11 targets for 116 yards. Over the last two weeks, 14 grabs on 19 targets, 223 yards, and a touchdown. Those have both been excellent matchups. Arizona, Seattle, two teams that haven't been uh, too tough on tight ends this year. Uh, The Rams' next two games are both on the road at Dallas and at the 49ers. At this stage, matchup or not, a guy does what Higby's done the last two weeks once, and I feel like unless you've got one of the tight ends that we know starts every single week, Higby's got to be your guy. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, he he was awesome. And I, he, you know me, I fully expected that to happen against mm-hmm, Seattle. Mm-hmm. Seattle's been a generous team, but you know Dallas has given up to eleventh most fans. He points to the tight end position, so the matchup this week sets up well for him as well. And I'm I've been impressed with how athletic Higby's looked. There's a couple times in that game where I wasn't sure if it was Cooper Cup or Higby who caught the ball, and like man, they just used he was he was just uh, you know running all over the place in that in that Sunday night game. Um, and if Gerald Everett continues to be out, there's no reason why they're not going to c- continue to go that well because he's looked fantastic. Yeah, he really has. Um, what was that stat they showed that uh, Higby, uh, Woods, and Gurley, was it? The the first trio of, rece- of teammates to have 100-plus yards from scrimmage uh, in back-to-back games since uh, Carter Moss and Robert Smith. Did you see that uh, uh, graphic come up? I didn't. I was over at some friend's house watching the game, so I may have gotten, uh, I may have missed that just in the overall socialization during the game. <laughs> Pretty great stat, right? I mean, whenever yeah. you're doing something that only that the last people to do it were Chris Carter, Randy Moss, and Robert Smith. It's pretty, pretty impressive. impressive. And for yeah. Tyler Higby to be part of that uh, uh, tells you just like that. Like, I don't think that even if Gerald Everett comes back, I don't see how Higby doesn't keep this large role in the offense with what he's done the last two weeks. Yeah, well, I'm just wondering, like, if Tyler Higby was out, and you know, I think like Gerald Everett could be doing this too, right? Like, yeah, that's uh, fair. He, he's an ath- athletic guy, so yeah, I'm a little bit worried if Everett comes back that they go back to, you know, because they they love to use those guys in concert and and rotating them in and out liberally. So, but I I think you got to continue to go with the hot hand in Higby mm-hmm. right now, and, and this would be reason to let Gerald Everett take his time getting back, right? I totally agree, and especially with the fact that they're not getting anything out of Brandon Cooks. Uh, I think you got to keep the hot hand of Tyler Higby as involved as he has been the last couple of weeks. The other tight end who I do want us to talk about, another athletic guy, David Njoku. Now, he made his return from the wrist injury in Week 14. Not meaningful, the the numbers he put up. Uh, He wasn't out there a ton for Cleveland, just got three targets, caught one of them for four yards. The reason why we're talking about David Njoku is that the Browns are playing the Cardinals this week, and the Cardinals quite literally, are turning every single tight end they play into prime Rob Gronkowski. Every single tight end who goes up against this team, Vance McDonald, I guess notwithstanding, in week 14, is putting up these monster numbers. So you don't have one of the for sure locked in tight ends. You don't get Tyler Higby. Can you turn to David Njoku in week 15? I have not done my rankings yet, but I'm just trying to think – like, can I rank him outside my top 12 tight ends? <laughs> I got to imagine he's going to at least take one of those last couple spots in my top 12. I think it's hard for me to, to to fathom right now that he's not 
a back end tight end, tight end one at minimum. You know, we just wanted him to get back out on the field, get his feet wet again. We know he's very athletic. Um, you know, and this is a guy that it started to really come on strong last year before, uh, you know, the end of the year. And, and so we feel good about him from a talent standpoint. Now that he's back in the matchup, yeah, he's definitely a one of the safer dice rolls that you're going to throw out there in week 15. Here, let me ask you this uh, to put it to put him against another guy who we were maybe going to talk about, maybe not, but we'll talk about him in this way. Uh, Ian Thomas, five catches for 57 yards and a touchdown in week 14 at 10 targets with Greg Olson out. Would you rather have, assuming Olson's still out, would you rather have Thomas against the Seahawks or Njoku against the Cardinals? Mm, that's pretty good. I, I think I'm going to go in Joku just barely. I bet you in my rankings, I'll have Thomas right behind him. But I think if those two guys are sitting there on the waiver wire, I'll go with Njoku. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that those two guys are playing these two uh, teams that we've been talking about as ones you want to attack with tight ends all season. That's uh, uh, I feel like is that like a ceiling decision there? Because Thomas, yeah. you have to feel like Thomas has the safer floor just because we've seen yeah. him play a game where he's had 10 targets. Yeah, exactly. No, but I think Njoko could be in line for six, eight targets, and that could be a big day uh, against Arizona. Yeah, I think it's really close. I think it's a really good uh, matchup that you're pitting these two guys against each other. Where are you at on it? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I would. I would lean toward. Mm, I was starting to say Njoku. I, to me, it could be another like uh, another one of those ceiling floor discussions that we had yeah. with Rashad Perriman and Justin Watson. Where if you just need the ceiling, you're going Thomas, and if you just want no the other way, guys, you need I mean, the, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm with you. Yeah, just because I mean, right? I mean, David and Joku is still a theory right now. Like Thomas, we've right. seen him have a, a 10 target, 50 yard touchdown game. It was last week. Yep. So, yep. But yeah, yeah. I think if I really, if I really had to make a, you know, don't put any caveats in this. You know, stand stand by your word, make a choice. I'd be with you. I'd lean toward Joku as well. All right. Well, we'll see how that one plays out. Uh, I hope it's Njoku as a Seahawks yeah, fan. I, I hope you, it's Njoku. I bet you do. I bet you do. Still have uh, designs, <laughs> some uh, little designs at least on that uh, number one overall seed in the NFC. Yeah, it's still there in play. They got to they got to beat uh, Arizona and Carolina and then take care of business against the 49ers mm-hmm. uh, the final week of the season. That would do it. You know, yeah. that would get it done for them. So, uh, we'll, hopefully, that'll play out. NFC playoffs are going to be a ton of fun once we get there with all the uh, all the I mean, you can see any one of those teams making a run to the Super Bowl, uh, except for the NFC East winner. So uh, really excited <laughs> for the NFC side of the bracket this year. Two more topics for us in week 15, Funston. First, our favorite quarterbacks to stream. Why don't you take this one away first? Yeah, I'm actually thinking I might go uh, against my Seahawks with Kyle Allen. You know, uh, it's not always been pretty with him. And a lot of times, especially of late, it has definitely, there's been some ugliness. Uh, He gets a lot of interceptions, but we know that, you know, from Jameis Winston, we know that interceptions don't kill you in a lot of fantasy leagues. So what you're getting from Kyle Allen most weeks is like 250 plus passing yards. You get Christian McCaffrey in the mix. Uh, You know, you throw, you know, 10, 12 receptions to that guy. He's a guy that can take it to the house. He's always a threat. Um, and then we talked about Ian Thomas and how the struggles with Seattle. We saw Jared Goff have a great night against the Seattle Seahawks defense. They're a, they're a pretty generous pass defense. So I think Kyle Allen, even if he has a couple turnovers, can still have a you know something like a two 270-plus yard passing day with a couple touchdowns. And, oh, by the way, he's ran a couple touchdowns in over the last couple weeks and ran for over 20 yards in each of those games. So starting to show his wheels as well. We always like that as an add-on with our fantasy quarterback. So I think Kyle Allen's a decent roll of the dice. I also am curious about Eli Manning going against Mm -hmm. Miami. 
we're, as we're discussing right now, uh, he's yet to play against the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll see how he does. But if he looks competent tonight and, you know, you got Golden Tate and Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard, it, it doesn't sound like Evan Ingram's going to be back. But if he's back in week 15, you got a pretty nice complement of weapons to go against one of the very uh, generous pass defenses and just overall defenses in the league in Miami. Yeah, um, I totally agree, and I'm very excited to see what Eli's able to do against Philadelphia on Monday Night Football. I've got a few other guys who I'll throw out. It's an interesting week on the stream because you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick at the Giants. That feels like a decent matchup, but maybe no Devontae Parker, and that takes some ceiling away from Fitzpatrick. Gardner Minshew at the Raiders, that feels like a decent matchup, but... Maybe no DJ Chark. Sounds like probably no DJ Chark, in fact. That takes a huge bite out of Gardner Minshew's ceiling. And then you look at David Blau at home against the Buccaneers. He has looked decent. I guess he looked pretty good. He looked okay against the Bears. He didn't do too much against the Vikings. But we know what this Tampa Bay defense can't do, which is stop anyone through the air. You still have uh, uh, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones at your disposal, two guys who should be able to get going against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, we saw Jacoby Brissett and this uh, indie passing game get going against Tampa without T.Y. Hilton. So I don't know, man. I look up and down. And then I, you know what? I could even throw Mitch Trubisky, a guy who has looked a whole lot better <laughs> of late. You could throw him in this mix too. Uh, Bears are going to Green Bay. That could be a tough assignment, but Mitch has looked a whole lot better. They've gotten him out running a little bit more. He's had a huge game on the ground um, in week 14 against the Cowboys way back on Thursday night. So there are a lot of options throwing the guys that you mentioned. And, you know, it's hard. No one really stands out above the rest for me. I think if I had to go with one, I still lean toward Fitzpatrick, especially if Devontae Parker is able to come back and play, then Fitzpatrick for me is easily the choice here. Uh, I still feel like I go with him uh, because of this Giants defense and how beatable it is. And, you know, Fitz is not going to probably fall apart on you the way that some of these other guys can. Uh, I do lean toward him with or without uh, Devontae Parker, an easy choice if Devontae Parker is in. But uh, if you told me you like Blau better, you told me you like Trubisky better. I wouldn't think you were crazy. And then, of course, the guys you mentioned too, Kyle Allen, Eli Manning. I think all these guys are in a huge uh, tier together, and you're just going to have to make a tough choice. For me, that tough choice for now lands on Ryan Fitzpatrick. Finally, our defense is to stream in Week 15. Uh, you can take this one away first, even though I think there's an obvious choice as the best one. Yeah, you know, I think and I think you're alluding to the Kansas City Chiefs. I am, um, indeed. And, yeah, and I'm with you. They're going against Denver, and the Chiefs are a top-12 fantasy defense. And you look at they've really kind of been bringing a lot of pressure of late, and they've been very opportunistic of late, seven interceptions in their last three games. So, uh, to me, that's a good one. What's our threshold for uh, percentage available? We're looking at like the, the uh, really like 42%, but if a team's at like 43 to 45, it's worth mentioning for sure. I like that 42 because the Seahawks are 41% and I don't think they're a terrible play either. They're top 10 fantasy defense. We saw even in the game, they lost, they had a pick six. Quandry Diggs had two interceptions. Uh, I think if they get, uh, Ziggy Ansah back this week. They can get after Kyle Allen. I mentioned Kyle Allen's interception issues. So, like, I don't think the Seahawks at forty-one percent ownership in Yahoo is is a bad way to go either. So, I think I'm with you though on the Chiefs being the obvious play. I'd throw out the Seahawks as uh, one of the non-obvious plays. Yep, uh, I think that's a good call there. KC easily the best one to go after. Uh, go get them if you can. Uh, if you can't get them, uh, another team I like alongside uh, Seattle is is Detroit, and we know it's a bad defense, and they aren't going to shut down uh, Tampa Bay's offense, but almost for sure no Mike Evans, 
Jameis Winston is giving the ball. I mean, he threw for 456 yards and four touchdowns, but he also threw three picks. And if you know, I he's a, you- he's on pay or he has a shot to become the first 30, 30 quarterback. <laughs> It should be 30 touchdown passes, 30 interceptions. It would be, oh I think there's like four God. guys that have had like 30 touchdowns and 25 interceptions. So he's going for history. Wow. 30, 30, not something we talk about too often in this sport, <laughs> but uh, that would be uh, one heck of an achievement by, uh, by Jameis Winston. And there you go right there. Right. I mean, if, uh, if you, t- if I, if I were forced to f- stream Detroit and you told me that Winston was going to have a repeat game, 456 yards and four touchdowns, but also three interceptions, I would sign up for that. But yeah, sure. That's yeah, six points absolutely. right there. The three interceptions is six points. I'll take that. And maybe they throw in a sack or two. So because of just how friendly Jameis Winston is to opposing defenses and giving the ball away, the Lions would be one that I would be okay with if I couldn't get KC. And I agree with you. I would rather have Seattle than Carolina. But Detroit is in that you know top three, top four for me, depending on the teams that are available in your league. Thank you very much. That's going to do it for us here on this edition of Wire to Wire Week 15 Fantasy Football Semifinals for most of us. So again, congratulations if you are listening and are still alive in your league. Again, you can follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Funston and you can follow me on Twitter at M Beller. Hit up theathletic.com slash wire to wire to get 40% off an annual subscription. If you do that, you will have access to Jake Seeley's waiver wire column, which comes out at midnight Eastern every single Monday. Well, I guess just two more Mondays the rest of the season. Thank you again for listening to us here on Wire to Wire. For Brandon Funston, I'm Michael Beller. Good luck with your waiver bids and have a great week.